Welcome, film fans, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of the Epic Film Guys podcast for Thursday, April 8th, 2021. I am Epic Film Guy Justin. And I'm the Loy Sauce. See, this is what happens when you expect me to open the show every single week and you come in late. Did you hear that? Did you hear it? Sorry, I had to put on my pants. Ah, okay. Getting your dick sucked on the show again. <laughs> Saucy. This is a weekly occurrence. Bad boy. Bad boy. Someone else is here again. I hear them breathing. I hear them drinking something. When you said, I see them. When you said come in, I really wanted to make like a really oh. off-color joke about Loisas just ejaculating all over the place. But I felt like that would be strangely like... It wouldn't fit as part of Epic Film Guys, right? You guys don't talk about potty stuff anymore, right? We're a clean show, rated PG. Listen, we've never been a clean show. (laughs) I remember bringing it up to Nick many years ago, like, can we be a family-friendly show? Can you imagine what he said back to me? Fuck you. Well, it may have been that. It may have been much worse. I think it was along the lines like, uh, do you want me to drive all the way down there and kick your fucking face in? And then I'll make the hopester live with you for the rest of your life. That was scary enough. I'm pretty sure I threatened to teabag him, too, like, live on the air. Yeah. Just, yeah. yeah. I don't know. So, we are so excited to have Nick back. And we were so excited last week when we talked about Justice League that I realized that we never gave our ratings for that movie. (laughs) So, Nick, what's your rating for Zack Snyder's Justice League? I give it an Ancient Lamentation music out of 10. Ha! I give it like a nine. Like, I mean, I loved it. I mean, it's very, very obvious that I really, really loved it. Uh, You know, misgivings about it aside. I have not watched it again, though, since the recording. So that's you haven't watched the Justice is Gray edition. I haven't had the time to watch anything (laughs) except for what we're reviewing tonight. Yeah, I mean, I thought about it. I think I saw one person on social media say that they watched it and that, that it was their preferred version of the film. But yeah, okay. For me, as I discussed with you pre-show, and I know that we talked about it somewhere in there last week when you probably cut it all out because we talked for many, many hours, but somehow forgot to give our ratings on the movie, um, that I think black and white versions of movies that aren't shot in black and white or aren't meant to be in black and white initially, they don't really make much sense to me, and I don't really care about them. Uh, some make more sense than others, but overall, it's not anything that excites me all that much. I'd rather just go watch movies that were shot in black and white from back in the day in black and white. But uh, my rating would also mirror Nick's 9 out of 10. That movie you literally got bitch. me excited about movies again. Yes, I'm going to copy you. How dare you? To be you? Wow. So across the board. Nine out of ten. God damn it! No, all listen, three of us. See now, you had to do it again. You had to do it. Listen, voice sauce. I have to. I have to report this though. I actually received a message from more than one person, and one person was extremely passionate. They were like, "Dude, I was listening to that podcast, and I was just waiting for Lois sauce to shit all over the movie. And when he proclaimed his love for a Zack Snyder movie, a superhero movie, mind you." He jumped out of his chair in excitement. And <laughs> I mean, that's what we did, like, though. It's what, 
That's what we did. Like we were literally, we had no idea when, when we went live and we did that episode, like he, when we did the pre-roll, like he was shitting all over it. Like he was just like, I'm going to give it a zero out of 10. Like he was dropping all these hints that he was just going to dump all over it. So we That's were just we a surprise. That's what we call a misdirection in the biz. Oh, in the biz, <laughs> in the biz. Well, it worked well because our audience loves it. The episode's doing very, very well. So I just want to take the time to thank each and every one of you that's downloaded it. It's killing it right now uh, in terms of EFG numbers. And we knew it would. Maybe it's because someone returned. I don't know. I have no idea. I mean, Superman did come back in that movie. So, I mean, that's yeah, that's true. a good enough reason the, for anybody to come back. The sleek, black, black suit, black suit. Oh, gotta yeah. love it. Mm-hmm. Love it. He should have had the mullet, but you know. <laughs> so, yes, ladies and gentlemen, we are here to review a movie about a giant fucking ape that fights a giant fucking lizard. That's what this episode is all about. Godzilla versus Kong. Currently certified fresh at 75% with a 93% audience rating. I think it's the highest. Is that the highest rating for a Monsterverse film yet on Rotten Tomatoes? It's not. Okay. Skull Island is 75%. Yo, uh, 69% audience. King of the Monsters was 42% rotten hmm. with an audience 83% audience score. And Godzilla was 76% fresh and a 66% audience score. So it seems like out of the bunch, the majority of people that actually went in to rate this movie, we have to discuss this now, actually, uh, you know, hot on the heels of us just mentioning Justice League, is the most positive. However, we know, due to the toxic fandom of the Snyder fans, that fans, like, were trying to review bomb this movie yeah. and give it shitty ratings, so I'm actually Boycott surprised it's at 93%, because they were, for some reason, I see, you know, I don't understand this logic. Nick, did you get the, the logic of giving another movie bad ratings so that another... I, I mean, these are the same people who I don't know. They, they they came out of the gate and you know the the suicide squad trailer for for james Gunn's the suicide squad dropped and they were dropping you know like it's a massive conspiracy that warner brothers is trying to distract us by releasing this new movie and releasing this new trailer instead of giving us the snyderverse and all this stuff and i mean it's not the majority of the fandom that like likes the snyder movies or likes the dceu if you want to get on twitter and you want to promote the hashtag like restore the snyderverse like i'd still love to see what whatever else Snyder's going to do if they can get him to come back. And like, if Warner brothers wants to pursue that, I would love to see that, but like, I'm not going to get on Twitter and and be toxic and and be a troll. And like, all you're doing, if you're being toxic is you're just hurting all the good things that the, the Snyder movement did with like AFSP and raising money for suicide prevention and all those good things. If you're being toxic, then you're just being an asshole, like a giant, giant, giant asshole. And you should rightly be derided and then drummed out of public conversation. Like, I mean, seriously, like if you want something and you're passionate about it, please champion that, but don't shit on other stuff just for the sake of doing that. Like they're a movie studio. They're just doing, they're just trying to do business. They're just trying to do their thing. And now we're probably going to get negative reviews and I'm going to get at at me on Twitter at Nikolai's kitchen. I'm going to get added on Twitter that I'm a troll and I'm a hater and I hate everything. And I'm the worst person in the world because I'm not shitting all over everything else in lieu of the Snyderverse. Like just, why do people have to be negative and toxic? Like, fuck off. Seriously, fuck off. Well, then. I think a lot of those uh, reviews that mentioned, like, hashtag restore the Snyderverse and everything were, were just deleted. Just the negative user reviews from IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes were just 
obliterated from the internet, um, which I think is 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 good news because yeah. I think now we get a more accurate reading as to what uh, audiences really think of this movie. Um, and it seems generally that it's positive and it's raking in the box office bucks, at least as far as pandemic numbers go. Highest well, yeah, grossing I mean, movie of the r- pandemic. Yeah, it's uh, exceeded the lifetime gross of Wonder Woman 84 in five motherfucking days, <laughs> which was $45 million. Now, we could look at it from one viewpoint or another, um, that could have something to, to do with COVID for sure. Definitely. When I saw Wonder Woman 84, I was in a near empty theater on a Sunday when I knew there was not going to be anyone there. And it was the beginning of HBO Max's deal with Warner Brothers. So everyone was like, well, I'm just going to stay home. It was also the middle of winter. So I mean, COVID, theaters theaters nah. weren't open here when Wonder Woman 84 came out, you know. So, well. I mean, yes. there were areas where theaters were not open. And more and more as the vaccine rolls out and all these kind of things happen, you know, then, yeah. I mean, obviously, the more – and I, I expect that would continue later into the year as bigger releases come out. You're going to see increasing box office numbers as more sure. things start to open back up. Because you wonder how much this would have made if not for – the pandemic. I mean, yeah. would it have made twice that much? Especially you know? given the word of mouth. Exactly. Exactly. Very, yeah, very interesting to look at. I mean, the budget is estimated around 155 to 200. Right now it's made 285. Um, and it's, it's doing gangbusters in China right now. But my question is, though, I mean, this is something we have to talk about. Think about it from a logical standpoint. Is this the movie that's going to determine the future of in-person theatrical releases? Because it's actually doing fairly well considering its budget. You know what I mean? Like people are actually out. When I went and sat down at the theater, it was at capacity. I was looking around. It was the most packed I've been in a theater since COVID hit. It felt good. I mean, I clapped. I cheered. I stood up and fucking yelled shit. And everyone kind of followed suit at the end of the movie. I either booed it or clapped it. I'm not going to tell you which I did yet until at the end of the review. But I mean, you know, people, the energy was there again. It felt like COVID never happened in a way, other than the fact that I was wearing a mask and I was trying to sip my fucking Tito's and soda through a straw, through the mask. But I mean, that's fine. I'm cool with that, you know? But I mean, is this the movie that's going to determine that? Because it is the first big budget movie to hit theaters at a time where most theaters are open in the country. Possibly. I mean, I still watched it on streaming. And I mean, that's the kind of real question that we don't know that piece of the puzzle is. I mean, yeah, it's doing gangbusters box office wise, but how well is it doing for HBO Max and for streaming? I know a lot of people that also watched it via streaming as well. So, I mean, I imagine you fold those numbers into this as well, that Warner Brothers has got to be looking at a pretty massive success for this movie. I mean, I, I can't imagine a universe wherein you see those box office numbers at limited capacity for theaters in a lot of different markets. And then you think about the streaming audience, the audience that either doesn't have access to or just didn't want to, in my case, go to a theater to see it. You have to believe that, like I said, this is a this has got to be a resounding success for them. To Justin's point, though, like I am, I'm waiting until I'm I'm fully cleared before I'm going to go back to to a theater. Like I've gotten the first shot. Like you know, to me, it's just like I've got like a month left before I can go to a theater to actually sit down for a movie. It's like why not? Like I've already gone what 14 months now or something. I'm pretty sure like maybe early March of 2020 was the last time I was in the theater. So maybe 13 months. I mean, you know, for me, it's just like, ah, what's one more month, you know, because my theaters, I mean, unlike you guys, you guys are in a, in a, in a much different market than me, but my theaters were closed up until like a month ago. So I just didn't have the option, but I mean, yeah, I think 
once more and things also, reopen. Anyone that listens to this show also knows that you're not fond of the theaters that you live next well, to. This, anyway, is, this so. is also extremely, extremely true. <laughs> so I'm not like exactly fighting to get back into the AMC vessel to see Kong versus Godzilla. <laughs> but I also told you guys, you know, but the, the exam table seats, yeah. the exam table seats. But like, I would love to see this movie in a theater. I hope it's still playing in a theater just so I can see like some of those kind of grandiose spectacle kind of visuals in a big screen format because yeah, there is a distinct difference between that and a streaming format when you're watching it at home because I do not have like this massive home theater system. So and and Warner Brothers it seems is really the only studio who has pushed through and kind of weathered the COVID storm because they were the ones who released Tenet in theaters in late August. That wasn't a success for them. Wonder Woman 1984 didn't turn out to be as big a success as that movie probably normally would in normal climate. But Warner, what Warner Brothers has done is they've given people the option. You can watch it in the comfort of your sofa at home on HBO Max, or if you feel comfortable in doing so, you can see it on the big screen and have you know the Dolby Atmos sound massage your prostate. Uh, so so and the good they've thing given is, you the option. Yeah, they it's it's not only they've given you the option. I agree with you. And then it's it's one step further. You know, they're not doing some kind of like premium package or where you have to pay some kind like of Disney premium is, like yeah. Disney is to see movies like the the movies that Disney puts out. It's like I'm sorry, like Black Widow's not worth thirty dollars to me. Like it's never going to happen. You know, I mean, bro, it's not worth five dollars to me. I mean, it's got Florence Pugh and Rachel Vice. I mean, it's at I least know, worth something I know. to me. I but, like, know. I mean, I don't it, care in, but... in that sense. But like, I, that's what I respect more than anything about what Warner Brothers has done. I mean, say what you will, it's theatrical versus streaming, especially in light of the pandemic. And that's a whole different debate that I don't even think we want to try to scratch the surface of right now. But Warner Brothers, I think, at least did it right. I think they 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 put it on streaming. For whoever's a subscriber, doesn't matter. It's there. And then if you go to theaters, you want to see it in theaters, great. You don't have to pay some kind of weird, stupid premium or have a different tier subscription package or whatever that nonsense is. I think they streamlined it. And I think that that, you know, if there is a hybrid future for streaming and theatrical together, I think that's the model to look at. Not some kind of silly, who, 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 I got way better things to do with $30 than see Black Widow or some Disney movie. Seriously, send it to me. Or Mulan. Send it to me. I will donate it to Livestream for the Cure. Don't send it to me. Donate (laughs) it to Livestream for the Cure instead of spending it on these Disney movies or whatever. And when you could wait a month and then just see it with a normal Disney Plus subscription anyway. Like, seriously. And I think the difference between Warner Brothers and Disney at this point is Disney hasn't really released anything with the premium package, I think, except for maybe, um, was it Soul, Voiceos? You watched it. You said it was good, right? Soul was free for Disney Plus. Oh, that one was yeah, free? Oh, was, but yeah, Raya, I Raya, it. Raya and the Last Dragon, their most recent animated okay, film. Okay, so that was another yeah. one. Right, so. Which I paid $30 um, for because I live in a household with two other people, so split between well, the three of sense. us. that makes sense. Yeah, but if it's but, just a single I mean, person at home or two people, it doesn't yeah, really make as much it do- sense. It doesn't, yeah. I, I've, done, I've done the premium access stuff with a couple of movies here and there, but I, I don't want to get off on a tangent too much. It's I way too late for that. You, Saucy. <laughs> Shut up. Listen, listen. You ain't the boss of me. I, I'm still... No, I guess I'm not. Whatever. Um, But I was going to ask you, Saucy, because I know um, this is your first time seeing a new movie in theaters in a long, long, long time. Right? Am I Since like that? the New Mutants or something. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. 
Man, I never saw what, that. Is how... that any good? No. I didn't Shh. I didn't I didn't hear it was. Shh. Um what was it like though? Was it like a packed theater? How did you feel? No, there were about you know, thir- the vibe in the theater. There were about thirty other people in the theater with us. Um it was a one PM matinee showing on a Saturday afternoon. Uh we're starting to see really promising results from Godzilla versus Kong. It's getting people back to the theater. I think it's a movie, first of all, that people want to see. It's the kind of movie that demands to be seen in a theater. And as t- to Nick's point, as people get more and more comfortable, we're going to start see- seeing these movies getting higher and higher box office numbers. So um, I-, I work at the theater, so I felt comfortable. I'm not vaccinated yet, but I felt comfortable because I'm there all the time anyway, <laughs> you know, five days a week. So yeah. um, the way Alamo does things, I felt safe and secure as far as the um, safety measures go, the COVID safety measures. And I wore my mask and all of that. So But I was just curious, I mean, like right now, it's very interesting to me how people are reacting to going back to theaters, what it feels like, again, that emotion you get from watching the movie. Like you said, this movie begs you to come see it in the theater in the largest fucking format you possibly can. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I'm going to name drop the fucking theater that is down the street for me that I wish was open for this movie. That six story laser projected man alive. It's still not. It's still not. It's there. It's operational. Still not open. But ladies and gentlemen, we are going to take a quick break to hear some words from our sponsor and also live stream for The Cure. And when we come back, we're going to dive right into the latest edition in the MonsterVerse with our review, full review on the giant ape fighting the giant fucking lizard. Godzilla versus Kong. We'll be right back. Justin, wake up. Skins, I done told you to keep quiet or I'll whoop you. Justin, it's time to start promoting the fifth annual live stream for The Cure. I can't believe it's been a year already. We've raised over $30,000 for cancer research over the past four years. You know what that means. We have to make this year our biggest year yet. This year, we're looking to add $15,000 to that total. And beyond. Join us May 19th through the 23rd for over 50 hours of live entertainment from podcast partners and content creators from around the world. With your help, we can continue to fight for a future immune to cancer. Learn more about this year's event at livestreamforthecure.com. Together, we can make a difference. Film Guys podcast is fueled by our sponsor, Evil Tea, by the Evil Tea Company. Steeped in darkness, Evil Tea brings a sharp variety of tea flavors, featuring robust and creative blends for all those tea addicts out there. Use promo code EPICFILMGUYS for 15% off your first order. Please make sure to check out their website at EvilTeaCompany.com to find the right blend for you. Uh, uh, 
that was cool. <laughs> yeah, 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 it was cool. I watched, like, uh, a big monkey. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, monkey. Fight uh, a lizard. Yeah. It was, like, <laughs> yeah. the coolest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it was like a huge schlong. That was cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, look on Lloyd Sauce's face right now. <laughs> Listen, but here's the thing: you were you were born when that was cool, so that's still a cool thing for you. They probably Lloyd had Sauce. it on when you were in the nursery. <laughs> Dude, imagine that. You're in the fucking room being born and be with some heads on the TV. This is what's wrong with this generation. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> but thank you for listening to the show. We love each and every one of you. We are about to get into the nitty gritty here. This has been a long time coming. Uh, we've talked about pretty much. I think, I think Nick, you can uh, comment We've talked about all of the movies in the MonsterVerse so far that Warner Brothers has done. Even back to... We we started with our video review and the beginnings of EFG for Godzilla. And then we did Kong Skull Island, King of the Monsters. And now we're sitting here to do Godzilla versus Kong. The end-all, be-all. Literally the biggest monster fight of all time. Finally making it to the big screen. Boy sauce. If any person, I mean, seriously, they should be slapped across the face really, really hard. But if that person is out there and they don't know what this movie is. It's Godzilla versus Kong. <laughs> okay. That's good. Wait, for wait, me. wait, 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 So you're saying in this movie, Godzilla fights Kong. No, not at all. In fact. Oh, okay. Okay. Oof. No. Okay. So, um. I'm just I'm gonna read the synopsis here. Good boy. Kong and his protectors undertake a perilous journey to find his true home, and with them is Gia, a young orphaned girl with whom he has formed a unique and powerful bond. But they unexpectedly find themselves in the path of an enraged Godzilla, cutting a swath of destruction across the globe. The epic clash between the two titans, instigated by unseen forces, is only the beginning of the mystery that lies deep within the core of the earth. Dun, 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 dun. Inject Godzilla screaming. <laughs> Godzilla roar. There. Justin. There it is. Actually, you know what? Let's th- let's throw it over to our guest. We have... Okay, okay, okay. He's kind of a guest. I mean, okay. <laughs> I just, Give it to him. I just barge in whenever I want. Mr. Nikolai. No, it's fine. No, but I have to ask you, Nick, did you watch the movie twice or did you start it and then finish it? Cause I saw two posts that you were watching. Oh, I, 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 so I, I did watch it twice ish. I fast forwarded through a, a large section of the movie when I was watching it tonight, cause I initially started it and, and I was working on a lot of live stream for the cure stuff and whatever. So I told Loisos, I was like, okay, I'm ready to go for recording at nine 30. Cause we were going to start a little bit earlier at nine. And, um, no, I was done watching it by like nine ten instead of like nine thirty because I fast forwarded through the laboriously, needlessly complex, absolute, just horseshit human story in this movie. If you thought that the human stories in Godzilla, Skull Island, or King of the Monsters were convoluted oh God, bullshit, is. you it's have coming. seen fucking nothing yet. <laughs> nothing yet. 
Because holy fuck, like Brian Tyree Henry's dead wife's whiskey. Like there's all sorts of just random dumb shit in this movie for no fuck reason. And y'all know why we're here to see a big monkey fight a big fucking lizard. So God fucking damn it. Like all you need to do is make the human stuff in these movies serviceable, just enjoyable fluff for us to get through to get to the next big monster fight. But no, you have to literally make every human character an exposition machine dumping inane dialogue at us about hollow earth and energy signatures that you can upload, but somehow it makes things more powerful. Like fuck Jesus, sweet mother of Christ. Fuck God. <laughs> Oh, Boy sauce, well, back to you. <laughs> yes. For once we're gonna go back to you, because listen, if there is the the big Godzilla fan on this show, it is the sauce he owns I think you own every single Godzilla movie. Every one except the nineteen ninety eight film. <laughs> um excuse you. Oh, and that's the one that I excuse own on four K Ultra I HD. Heard, I heard that tone in your voice. Don't you dare slander listen the ninety eight masterpiece. You came over when that 4K release came out and you watched the entire thing with me and drank and ate and you said that it looked cool. The, so the 4K transfer was excellent. Yeah, and you said that Zilla looks cool. You said it's, it's a, a cool, cool design creature. for a monster, but it's not Godzilla. Fair. Oh, you're gonna be that Geno fair. guy, Godzilla. I mean, I'll, I'll even give it that. That's okay. that's that's fair, but all right, fine. Yes, I am. Uh, I'm a Godzilla fan. I've loved Godzilla ever since I was a, a, a tiny wee lad. So um, I was lo- looking forward to the release of this film, uh, anticipating it very highly. And I- I'm just going to wax poetic a little bit here because I remember a time in the far distant past, so distant it feels like only a dream, when you could go to something called a movie theater to see the latest Studio Tenpole release. You would get your popcorn, and you'd get your soda, and you'd sit back and you'd watch, and you'd just simply enjoy a blockbuster with absolutely no substance whatsoever. But you left satisfied, because it was packed with all the action spectacle and special effects you could ever ask for, and never promised anything more than that. And Godzilla vs. Kong is a very welcome return to those kinds of movies. It's big and it's dumb and it's loud and the film is very much at peace about that there are glaring problems with the story and characters which we'll get to and it's clear that they've gone and thrown all logic out the window but at the end of the day we're talking about a film in which a giant lizard fights a giant ape and on that front the film delivers and then some so that that's well there you have my initial thoughts there it is Review over, done. I don't even need to say anything. Uh, the sauce is boss, and he has spoken. It's true, though. I mean, listen, guys. When we reviewed King of the Monsters, we had a lot of problems with that movie. Sure. Um, Loy sauce was taken over by the spectacle of it, and the end fight, and the fact that you got to see Rodan. King Ghidorah, Mothra. I mean, there's a lot of great stuff in King of the Monsters. There I is. mean, visually, yes, but uh, me as myself, uh, as a fan, it was so frustrating. And I mean, the human characters, I think at this point, they were literally just like, fuck it. No one's going to care about the human characters. We can do whatever we want with them. 
based on contractual obligations because obviously maybe Bobby Brown is back. Kyle Chandler is back for all the fucking two scenes in the movie. Um, but we'll get into that too. <laughs> we will. But um, the movie started off and I, I saw Kong itching his own ass. I saw an Easter egg to the 1976 Kong that we just talked about on a B-side last week, where Kong goes to take a fucking shower under a waterfall. Did you also catch that? uh, Actually, I don't know why you would. I don't know why anyone would. In the credits, Lance Reddick is listed as playing Gillerman, as in John Gillerman, the director of King Kong 1976. Lance Reddick, who's in one scene of this movie, and yet... Well, he was supposed to be he was supposed to be in more than one apparently based on what I read. But so my initial reaction obviously a lot of it was based on me being able to see this in the most impressive theater that Alamo Drafthouse DC Ashburn has, uh Theater A, which has been talked about on this podcast numerous times with Dolby Vision and Dolby Atmos. And as soon as the fucking movie started, I legit came in my pants. I'm like Kong looks great. Um, we were all, for the most part, big fans of Kong Skull Island uh, in terms of action. It has its not issues, as much character, but... but we but we all really enjoyed it as a popcorn flick. So I'm a Kong guy, self proclaimed. I have the Kong tattooed on my arm. Uh, I love them both, and I actually got some heat from a lot of fucking people. Loisas, we bought the Team Godzilla and Team Kong shirts to wear for pictures just to post on our social media pages. And I got fucking people shitting on me, like, take that shirt off and burn it. And I'm like, excuse me? Really? And then I, mean, I had people not, like, you're wearing, you're wearing the right shirt, bro. Kong's the shit. Mm-mm. Dude, Kong is the original monster. He came before all the rest. Hashtag Team respect, Godzilla. Respect. Um, but no, I mean, my initial reaction to this movie was exactly as i imagined it would be i gave zero fucks about any of the human elements could not wait till they were over some of them were painful to get through to the point where i literally left the theater and said should i go to the bar to get another drink during this part because i know none of this will matter <laughs> when the next fight happens the, the answer is yes to that question yes. and, and that was it, my experience it, when it, it was i rewatched it ahead of the show tonight just to kind of refresh myself for it and i mean literally like no other film in the MonsterVerse before it, this is very much a fast forward through all of this bullshit because it is all so inane and so stupid. And the kid from Hunt for the Wilder People is in there for no reason. Oh my God, please don't. Please do not mention Bell Snickle. All please these, do not like, talk all about him. All of these goddamn different elements oh God, no. in, in the movie that are that are meaningless. So like, I mean, literally, I fast forward every, every single thing about <laughs> Hollow Earth in this movie, I fast forwarded through today. Every single thing, like as soon as they fucking like flash, like any of those fucking scenes, like fast forward until we see something big and something cool. Nick, I actually, I actually did watch it uh, at home because the wife, she was originally supposed to go to the theater with me and she didn't feel comfortable because there were so many people. So our patron and good friend of the show, Brady, came with me to see the movie in theater A. And then obviously the wife still wanted to see it and she really fucking enjoyed it. She said it was a blast. So I watched it again at home. On the OLED, God, yeah. in Dolby Vision, uh, with Dolby Atmos. I feel, Thank you I, feel I feel Thank nauseous. You. But even so, I mean, that second view and even solidified even more for me a lot of what you're saying here, where I could not wait for the human stuff to be done. I will get into what I hate the most about it, but yes, sorry for being long-winded on initial thoughts, but yes, 
It's just I mean, like the human is... stuff. It's really long-winded and unnecessary. Well, he, <laughs> Thank here's you. the thing. Thank you. I mean, here, here's the problem with all these movies. Y- you have to have humans in the movie, not only because they're vessels to move the plot forward, but also so that the audience has something to relate to. I mean, you can't have a film that's 100% kaiju fights, no matter what people I on agree. the internet say. I agree. So here's the conundrum with any giant monster movie. Is there a balance of screen time with the humans and the monsters? And is the human drama compelling enough that you're not sitting there in agony whenever the monsters aren't on screen? Well, it hasn't seemed to work in the last four of these. Well, for the most part, it hasn't seemed to work. I mean, uh, Gareth tried with his remake and people shed on it. But I still think to this day, compared to the rest of them, it's still the best. I mean, in terms of like characters oh, that yeah. you're able to relate to that seem more real and remember when that movie came out do people we won't go in there but this is the problem and you're totally correct in saying so all the toho movies have human characters human characters have to be there there's literally no way we'll ever see a movie where it opens in kong just fighting godzilla and there's no english dialogue or anything like that yeah the problem is is why do I want to hate these characters so much? Especially in this movie. I mean, dude, you cast Alexander Skarsgård and you make him the most deplorable, annoying character where I just literally can't wait. I want to see his head get fucking bitten off by Godzilla. Well, it doesn't help that they've cast Alexander Skarsgård, who was god awful the biggest fucking wet in, blanket in the, the legend of, go, go back to our the legend of Tarzan. Go back to our Tarzan yeah, God, Go back to that. Go back to that. Are we still holding some? Are we holding a grudge? Well, he off? constantly looks like he's posing for a photo shoot, <laughs> not acting in a motion picture. I mean, it's like you even have you even have elements in this film, like Brian Tyree Henry, who's a, who he's a great actor, but you sideline him. He's a podcaster who's a conspiracy fucking nut job who like it, like fluoride in the water and like all these other ridiculous things. And there's just running all these different running gags of all these insane, silly conspiracy theories he believes in. And like this is a whole huge subplot of the movie that's dedicated to this. And it's it's so distracting and it's so bad and it's so badly written and he's delivering it as best he possibly can, but no actor could save this material where it's, you literally hate it. And you're like, this is actively pissing me off and making me want to get back to the big monster stuff. I think about 2014, 2014 gives you Brian Cranston, who is as big as he'd ever been for breaking bad at the time. You give him Brian Cranston and he actually gives some emotional weight, some gravitas to the first act of that movie where you actually kind of care what happens to him and you take that and i mean he's granted he's he's a little bit unhinged but there's a believability to it because you've already seen the stuff that he's seen this dude is just literally meant to be an off-the-wall fucking psycho nut job yeah i mean the idea of a conspiracy theorist spouting nut job who turns out to be 100 correct is a bit eyebrow raising yeah in the era of you know maga and QAnon and well he mentions maga he mentions maga in the fucking movie he does i I totally there's a line there is a line there's a very quiet line where he mentions that um well like all this like youtube rabbit hole nonsense that's out like i know it's a genre trope and i know it's meant to be comedic but it gives validation to people who believe that the government is poisoning tap water systems with fluoride when one of your heroes literally showers with bleach because they're that paranoid. 
And for that matter, they... which, which is a whole fucking subplot of the movie that they find the guy by finding where he buys excessive Randomly. amounts of bleach to One more shower place. in. Which this is a character who is who is embedded deep within Apex, but is sussed out by like two sixteen-year-olds who give a dude a hundred bucks randomly. Yeah, it makes like, no sense. And they spend fucking hell. They spend way too much time dwelling so on much the time. conspiracy theory stuff. It's not nearly as funny as the movie thinks it is. Yeah, no, it's not. But however, I will relay this information that my audience that I was in. All of those jokes landed for the most part. People were chuckling, laughing. The wife laughed at almost all of his jokes. He was fu- his comedic at- timing helps. I mean, his comedic timing is good. Yeah, I, I mean, think again, he, I think he's, he's doing the best he can with the material. But Nick, I think you'd agree with me on this that the only reason he's in the movie is to be a vessel for Millie Bobby Brown's character to be able to remain in this world. Because let's face it, after the last movie, she doesn't even really need to be in this no, movie. Let's, Russell, at let's all. face it. She's in this movie, and I think Lois Haas is about to allude to the same thing, but they're they're pointless to the plot. They're meaningless. That's why Kyle Chandler's in two whole scenes in this entire movie, but she's still in this movie and has a major subplot because she's Millie Bobby Brown and because she's 11 in Stranger Things. And contract. That's the only contract. goddamn reason. That's the only reason. Paid. They want that on the market. She has nothing so. to do in this movie. It's this whole pointless, long excursion uh, of, a, of, a, of a subplot that it's just like. But I will say. It's excruciating to watch. I will say she's, I will say though, she's good. She's still giving it her yeah. all. And that's the one thing. All the actors are, except for Alexander Skarsgård. Why, why is this shit? <laughs> no, fuck that motherfucker. Get him so out of this fucking needlessly movie. They should have cast Bill instead. That's the. That's the problem is why is all this shit so needlessly convoluted and there's it's overstuffed. I think it suffers from a problem that a lot of these movies have where there is just a plethora of characters and the film, the film keeps introducing them like halfway through the movie. Like once the, um, once the Julian Dennison character and the, um, uh, the Isa Gonzalez character are introduced. Like I thought to myself, there's no way I'm going to have time to get invested in these characters because the movie's almost half over. (laughs) Yeah. Well, well, listen to this. This is one of the things I heard about the screenplay when Adam Wingard spoke about it. I quote, I really want you to take these characters seriously. I want you to be emotionally invested, not just in the human characters, but actually in the monsters. It's a massive monster brawl movie. There's lots of monsters going crazy on each other, but at the end of the day, I want there to be an emotional drive to it. I want you to be emotionally invested in them. Uh, well, I think that's what's really going to make it cool. The, the problem, guess, the problem is, is that like at the end of the film, there's this emotional reunion between father and daughter when the Russells, when Kyle Chandler and Millie Bobby Brown are reunited. But no time is spent on these characters so that instead of wiping a tear from my eye, all I could think was, how the fuck did he get to Hong Kong so fast? And I also thought, like, I, dude, I want to see more Kong. Because let's face it. Let's well, make he's the protagonist right of the movie, ostensibly. Oh, clearly. I mean, for me, for me, being a huge Kong fan, I cannot tell you enough to start to get to some of the positives on this movie. How fucking amazing Kong is in this movie and how much emotion I felt from him as a CGI character. Well, and that's, I, w- I want to touch on that because I want to, I want to wrap negatives as well, but Wingard is exactly correct in that, you know, he wants you to care about the monsters. It's a big monster brawl. It's a big monster spectacle. I do care about the monsters in this. The problem is, is that the monster stuff is so, and, and, and here's what he does differently that they don't do that Doherty didn't do that. Um, 
Edwards didn't do, and you know that even uh, Jordan Vaught Roberts didn't necessarily do. You get to see this action very clearly. Like there's a lot of long lingering shots of these big monster balls because they know at this point they know that that's what the audience wants to see. They want to see a long drag down smash mouth monster brawl. So you give us that, and it's so satisfying. Hey now, you're an all star. It's so so good to watch. It's so incredible. <laughs> That when you get to this overstuffed, it's like Lois said, it's overstuffed. It's filled with needless exposition after exposition after exposition. So many needless, just different plot threads that they're tugging at that you actively start to kind of hate it because it's like it, it's not as simple as it needs to be. It just needs to be simple, streamlined, well, stick to the monster stuff. Like you're exactly right. We have to have human characters. We have to have them as an audience conduit in the movie. All you have to do is make a very, very simple through line. And the connection to that is the little girl who's deaf, who speaks to Kong. That's the only character we as an audience need to get invested in because she is our human vessel to Kong. Dude, she's the only and character she makes I us like care in the movie. about Kong. <laughs> like, it, it, it's that fucking simple. We don't need any of the other human characters in this movie or maybe small touches of them. But I'll say this real quick. The movie is, I think, the shortest out of all of them an hour and 50 some yeah. minutes. So Wingard knows and Loisos and I have talked about him as a director for a long time. I've been a huge, well, he's fan. out of, uh, he does, he did a horror stuff, right? He did your next, which was brilliant. He did the guest, which was a fan favorite for me. He did the death note movie, um, which most people shed on, but unfortunately it wasn't his fault. He should have made it a series instead, but he showcased that he had a great visual flair and he's a huge horror fan. He cares a lot about this material. He also just got announced, and I'm super fucking excited about this, as the guy that's going to helm the upcoming Thundercats movie. It's finally fucking happening. And he's a kid that wrote a Thundercats script when he was, like, in his teen years. So um, I've always been a fan of him. I've been championing him. So I think he, he, he knew what came before this. He took the right direction. It's not his fault that the last couple of movies shot on characters. I mean, Skull Island did it. People complained about, yeah, you got Tom Hiddleston and Brie Larson in a movie together and they're one dimensional characters. You had John Goodman and Samuel L. fucking Jackson in that movie. You had well, but a plethora of talent. And then the next movie you have, well, minus Kyle Chandler, of course, you've got tons of talent in that movie as well. And you don't utilize it either. In this movie, I think he's literally just like, we have to cast some names and let's make it as good as we can. But when we have the impact, as in Kong's fucking giant fist pounding the fuck out of Godzilla's jaw like he's a little bitch, make it all that worthwhile and make the audience scream in excitement. And I think where it counts, I think he's the winner. I really do in terms I wouldn't, of the fights. I wouldn't disagree with that at all. I'm going to say right now, I walked out of that theater and I texted you, Saucy. These are the most impressive fights out of any of these movies i 100 agree 100 agree they're fucking amazing yeah. every fight even the first i mean ladies and gentlemen if you haven't watched the movie yet go watch it because we're just gonna 
tell you. We're what knocking happened, down that basically. spoiler as well. <laughs> Fuck it. I mean, there's so only dude, one. There's one real. I mean, and if you paid any attention to any of the stuff on the social trailers. media, you yeah, knew there's only one too. real, real spoiler to talk about in this movie. We'll talk about it a little bit later, but well, Funko, well, Funko fucking spoiled that months ago when they released an image of that. I mean, Justin, toy, so. Justin's exactly correct that th- this is the best that Monster Action has been in these MonsterVerse movies. Like, and it is like Wingard has learned from the predecessors, and he has listened to the audience. That's like we don't want fights shrouded in shadow. We don't want fights shrouded in smoke and like quick cuts and all this different stuff. We want rain lasting shots. We want steady shots. And we just want to watch these monsters just slap the shit out of each other. Dude, what's more clear? What's more clear than uh, them fighting in fucking straight yeah. up neon? I mean, you, you, like, you, can't, you can't argue that they definitely learned those lessons. And I mean, that they took the, uh, they took the criticisms from fans and critics about the fight scenes in King of the Monsters, which I rewatched King of the Monsters in preparation for Godzilla versus Kong. And while it's not nearly as headache inducing at home as it is on the giant IMAX screen that Justin and I saw it on, the decision to obscure the monsters in darkness, strobing lights, rain, snow, fire, smoke, lightning is a kiss of death for that movie. As much as I love a lot of things about it. I have to cut you off real quick. Did you watch it with your new surround sound? Yes. Ooh, how is that? Awesome. I mean, the sound in these movies is absolutely. Well, just so our audience knows, Loisos. I upgraded. A little boy. 7.1 surround sound He, he now sound has system. a real surround Ooh, sound system. Baby. Even better than mine. Right. So. Ooh, baby. So, yeah, baby. So with but Godzilla, no OLED. No OLED yet. Yet. So... Are you going to go pick it up from like some shady dude and like a fucking that randomly picks it out of a van like Justin did? <laughs> where I where I got threatened. This is what, still <laughs> still one of my That was like right at the beginning of the like the pandemic too. Like right at the beginning of the pandemic and Justin just randomly rolled up to like some dude with a random I rented a fucking U-Haul for yeah, this with shit. a van who just Brian, like Loisos Loisos was fucking working so he couldn't help super me. Super fucking and shady. Then, and then some guy walks up and was like what you doing? I was like None Somehow of your Justin and didn't get mad. stabbed. Or shot, or whatever else. No, that's funny. Anyway. I mean, whatever, but... <laughs> so it's only a matter of time before I, before I get one. Before but... you get stabbed or shot? Okay. But No, before I get old. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that too, probably. Yeah, so in Godzilla vs. Kong, uh, gone are the infuriating constant cuts away from the monster action to humans doing or saying something stupid. Uh Gone are the needless computer-generated elements that make it really hard to see what, what's even happening. Um, these are clear, to the point, uninterrupted monster brawls, and they're, they're I yeah. mean, they're magnificent. Yeah. There's there's absolutely no arguing against that, and I'd, I'd be surprised if anyone said any anything to the contrary. I mean, in terms of the monster action, I mean, the camera stays with our monsters. When these monsters are engaged in those brawls, you're there with them like you're like the camera like i love the way that he kind of locks the camera to a monster's point of view at certain points of the film so you're following the monster as it smashes through buildings and rolls through the streets of hong kong and gets smashed up against stuff like you're like right there along for the ride like it really puts you in the monster's perspective in this thing in these throwdown like knockdown fights and that's so much to its credit that's so so much to its credit i i really really think and as much as they amped up all the stuff in this and and i mean i don't want to sound like i'm like too negative on this because i'm going to come away from it and rate it positively 
but they also like why do they have to dial up the human stuff to 11 in terms of like needlessly complex nonsensical bullshit just streamline it all you have to do is make it simple it just has to well, be simple. Are you referring to the Apex stuff or no, the, the Hollow and, Earth and stuff? The, the Hollow oh, the Earth Hollow, stuff. Well, the, the whole Hollow. And that's the part that I fast forwarded. There's like 20 whole fucking minutes where they do the whole Hollow Earth thing. It's so needless and pointless to the film. Why is it in there? It's pointless. How the fuck does uploading a signal make something more powerful or somehow send more power to something. It doesn't even make any sense. The second you try to think about it logically, it literally makes no sense. How does it make something have more power if you upload a well, signal to something? Like I said, they throw I mean, logic completely out the window. So I think at this point, you just have to either go along for the ride and, and just... No, you, you know what you do? You fast forward through it until you get to the next really cool shot and sequence. Well, That's what well, you well, do. Well, the Hollow Earth stuff, for me at least, uh, if, as far as I remember, a lot of the stuff seems like they may be Easter eggs. Um, Hollow Earth resembles Seatopia, which, from what I correct... Correct me if I'm wrong, Loisos, is a nation hidden beneath the Earth's surface in Godzilla, Godzilla versus Megalon. Um, I, I think it was just a way for them to show like a and also journey to the center, center of the Earth. You know, it's really visually interesting. I really love the visual aspect of it. Like it has all those cool I mean, visual elements. The movie opens and one of the things that I thought was like the dumbest shit ever is like, so wait, wait a minute. The United States government slash monarch spent billions upon billions upon billions of dollars to cover skull island because when we watch kong skull island it's a big island it's fucking huge so wait this is skull island and you just put a a giant dome over it like a fucking football which i mean i mean just just to hide him to hide him so godzilla doesn't come again it doesn't beat him up it doesn't make any sense like the way that they convolute like the unnecessary like all we want to see like is godzilla versus kong but the way they convolute the plot to get them to that point is is needless when did they build this enclosure was this enclosure built before godzilla emerged in 2014 or after how did they get kong into it like none of it makes any how, do, sense. how do they stop him from the fucking jumping off asking the fucking any questions going, about it it falls apart like a house of cards and that's the problem it with does. it it's needlessly complex it doesn't need to be this complex all you have to do i mean literally and spoiler alert we're going to get into the big one Mecha Godzilla shows up as Godzilla, and there's that, that's history in like Toho canon, like that's happened before. All you see at the beginning of this movie is Godzilla shows up on Skull Island, beats the shit out of Kong, and you're like, you see the little girl, and like, what the fuck? And then Kong goes on a rampage, and they're chasing down Godzilla, trying to figure out what happened, and they delve into the Apex stuff, and oh my god, it was Mecha Godzilla the whole time. They have to team up and fight him, boom, the end of the movie. That's all you have to fucking do. It doesn't need all this needlessly complex bullshit with Millie Bobby Brown and Apex and the fucking <laughs> conspiracy theorist podcaster with his dead wife's whiskey and a gun holster, and the kid from fucking um axe me- bell snickle Dead- fuck bell snickle two fuck and, and, and hunt for fuck the world of people all these different th- it doesn't need all these things it's pointless it's so needlessly complex and it just makes you as an audience member be like holy fuck please get to the next monster fight please get to the next monster fight please for the love of god and that's why i fast seriously i don't fast forward movies ever i will sit through a bad movie just to shit on it i fast forwarded through this because it's so bad it's so so bad loisas before you jump in i'm just gonna say this and you can get to your point because i can see you're chomping at the bit at least this was 
a very visually entertaining. So good. It's so beautiful. It it's looks so good. beautiful when it Winger's oh. really good at that. So I want like to. I want to get. I, I don't want to talk ago. negatively about it anymore because I've got so much good to say about. I mean, there's two big action set pieces in this movie. Are you know yeah. the aircraft carrier battle and Hong Kong battle? Like, I mean, that's. That's 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 what I want to. Well, that's talk that's about. That, that's this is my version of a segue, if you will. Um, but, I forced I mean, like, it in really... there, hard and dirty. Oh, good, very good, <laughs> very good. Because um, we can just sit here and shit on the movie and Alexander Skarsgård and why you're casting people in this movie that are really good, like Rebecca Hall, and like why why do this if you're not going to let them do anything? But no, very true. I liked her character. Um, it was fine. I, I I think I have a little no, bit. No, 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 she's fine. She's good. She's good. I think I, like I have a little bit uh, less of a problem with the characters in this because I've been rewatching a lot of the prior Godzilla films as a lead up to this one, not just from the monster verse, but from Toho. Uh, Maybe that's the, a disconnect for me films. because I'm I'm not well, as familiar Mr. with all that Fancy stuff. Fancy has that huge Criterion fucking box set that you brought over, but we never got to watch any of the movies out of it. So the 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 human characters have always been basically just filler or a a, a means to an end to get to yeah the monster action. I mean, which is fine. Tonight I just rewatched Godzilla versus Gigan, which is about a manga artist hired to design a godzilla theme park uh by cockroach aliens and also godzilla and Angerus show up to fight gigan and Ghidorah. so in the context of the entire godzilla series godzilla versus kong is hardly the silliest but it is still pretty silly but you are the expert you are the it one seems to me like you're the us. expert mark <laughs> <laughs> oh my god still listen me and me and Nick text to this day behind your back, and we wonder how good it was with Tommy and Greg. We we in a room we alone, all know. being chained up, being chained to the radiator. As you watch Tommy doing pull ups in his tight shirt. Anyway, how about <sighs> those monster fights? I mean, just like I mean, that's I mean, Justin Justin tried to shower all the praise on on that big fat ugly monkey. But let's talk about the actual, actual king of the monsters, Godzilla, Ooh. and how he just, bitch, slaps that fucking monkey <laughs> all over the goddamn screen. Well, I mean, the aircraft carrier fight is very impressive. It's the first time we've ever seen the two of them fighting in the middle During of the ocean. During the day. Yep. Imagine the that. Day, and under the water, yep. which... An ape would never last long because they would just sink. But suspension of disbelief, obviously. Giant ape, it's um, Kong. <laughs> he, he he fights through it. Um, and for me, at least, I found it to be visually exciting, very entertaining. I loved every single second of it. The lead up to Godzilla showing up, I would have to say, I mean, I loved what uh, Gareth did with Godzilla in his movie. There's some great like opening stuff in king of the monsters but dude for me here um thank you toho for making it a mandate for adam wingard to make godzilla emotionless i'm not sure if you guys yep. know this or not he had one they had one mandate they said godzilla has to be emotionless can't emote. in this movie he cannot emote and which adam movie, wingard broke that rule in this movie uh, yeah for one brief scene but well for a second but i mean like for the most part godzilla shows up 
fuck some shit up doesn't give a fuck and he's like literally i'm just gonna stomp on everybody and everything and do whatever i please because yo i'm godzilla and i love how they address you have characters saying in this movie like (laughs) godzilla's hurting people we don't know why and the explanation for it is he's just a giant lizard he's he's a he's an animal (laughs) i love that and i'm like did you not know that like seven eight years ago when he first erupted i mean one of the Um, one of the things that i really really enjoy most and this even goes back to like the initial attack that godzilla has in pensacola when i mean godzilla uses the absolute shit out of his atomic breath in this movie and every time he does it is glorious isn't it amazing when he just like he's like swimming along in the water one of my favorite shots of the entire movie my one of the only things i have in my notes He's swimming along, and his face comes out of the water, and he opens his mouth, and you see his <laughs> jowls and fangs, and he, like, roars real quick, Dude, and he goes back uh, under. We haven't seen any other visuals like that in any of the rest of these movies, and I'm like... You know, I love Dude, some of those Wingard's long shots, too. Like, there's there's a couple of those long shots where you just see Godzilla, like, in the background of the frame, just, like, sweeping his atomic breath across everything. And there's just <laughs> he's literally fireballs just like, and explosions like, Dude, everywhere. Nick, it's like he's vacuuming, dude. He's like, it's like he's vacuuming. <laughs> seriously. <laughs> That's he's just, just doing his I mean, job. that's he's like, just doing his chores. That's absolutely the meat and potatoes <laughs> of this thing. That's That's absolutely the bread and butter. It's so satisfying to watch. Like, I mean, if you're somebody who is like a kaiju or, or monster fan or what, your I mean, your dick has got to be so hard, like as hard as it's ever been when you see these scenes. And I mean, this makes the Pacific Rim movies look all like a joke, a kindergartner. I mean, they were already a joke, I mean? but that's beside the point. I like those. Well, I like the first no, one. Any, any excuse to make fun of those movies, but very true. But the, the, the aircraft carrier sequence to me at least when it first hit i didn't know how it was going to go down i was so impressed by it i loved how obviously kong is out of his element godzilla is like the king of everything and i like how they made godzilla kind of like the villain of this whole thing like we have to hide from godzilla because it added that mythic nature to the character again after seeing him for the you know the last two movies of his own um it was amazing and he was portrayed same design that we all love but so brutally like and he's scary again and that's what i want that character they to made be. him faster and more brutal than he's ever been before too because when he has kong pinned down in hong kong and he's crawling through the buildings and he's scratching at kong he's moving quick faster than we've ever seen him move yeah. before well, we see him running the movie yeah. as well yeah and I mean, you know, I mean, I, I really, really love the the aircraft carrier and like the ocean battle I mean, for the most part. But it's the one battle that kind of like. It, it slips up if you try to think about it too logically, whereas the Hong Kong battle, like it's on land, there's nothing else to think about. I mean, that film and that's what I'm talking about with the cameras anchored to the monsters where you're just, I mean, literally watching these just get thrown it into buildings. Like it feels like you're at Universal Studios on a rock. Yeah, yeah definitely. I, it's so there, it's there's a oh moment God. In, especially that I noticed in the aircraft carrier fight where Kong throws a punch to Godzilla and the camera follows Godzilla falling down and then it the camera kind of does like a complete it 180 upside, it flips down, flips yeah. upside down and you're back to Kong's perspective so it changes yeah. perspective Dude. of the monster and it's you know so what that creative. is you know what that is you know what it is and I know neither of you got to ride this ride but it is literally a reference to the Universal Studios 
rides of the early 90s like confrontation and back to the future were especially the back to the future ride you saw that exact thing like a dinosaur would come at I've you i've been on the back it to the was future that ride. same oh well okay I'm many sorry. times have Continue. you been back to the future okay. though okay well you didn't go to confrontation did no, you no never did you didn't, did you? Boom. Did you? We discussed Boom. that last week in our King Kong 1976 review. Yeah, but no one's listening to that because no one wants to hear me talk over you and say how great that movie is and how big of a masterpiece <laughs> it is. So, it's trash. As Nick said properly there, it this felt like a, a thrill ride for me. And I think, again, that's where Wingard comes out on top. The action is the best ever. And even when you get to the Middle Earth stuff. <laughs> the Hollow Earth stuff. It, I just... I, I, I just want to keep calling it like I want to see a Lord of the Rings the Godzilla the crossover. It must happen. Well, I mean, it, it, again, when Daniel asked me, like, what is this supposed to be? I said, well, there's like this. It's always been like this myth throughout like hundreds of years that like the core of the earth, there's like another society there. There's another world there. So that's just where it led to initially. And when you see it there, it's just another skull island. Like he fights those giant fucking snake in the trailers, I thought that was a scene on Skull Island. Turns out, nope, not the case. Yeah, the whole Hollow Earth thing, again, I, I like that it brings possibilities to the MonsterVerse because it now gives us a an origin story for any monster that appears. They just crawl out of Hollow Earth. and Because now it seems that Godzilla's blown a hole into the center of the Earth from Hong Kong when he creates that that yeah. portal for yeah. kong to hop through i'm like they better cover that up because yeah, Which, they... let me tell you that's <laughs> that's the most annoying thing like and i don't want to get back into negatives about this movie but like there's a like the whole plot of them getting to hollow earth is so needlessly convoluted with the with the hevs or whatever the fuck those vehicles are called and all that other dumb bullshit and then like literally like Godzilla just blows a fucking hole right down to the middle of the earth to get there. Like that's, that's as needlessly pointless as this whole thing is. Cause Godzilla just shoots his atomic breath and makes a big tunnel. Well, but they also <laughs> like, needed to create like the, the defibrillator for when Kong, Jesus, sweet mother of Christ. Kong literally dies by the way, Justin. So there is a clear winner here. Just there just is a, that out there. there is a very, there is a very clear winner. If the humans were not you there to not... defib Kong, he would be dead. That's Listen, that's true. You do not need to tell me. I already knew prior to this, based off Wingard's quotes, that yes, there is a definitive winner. That's the great and thing, though. Obviously, obviously, he's being realistic, though. Kong would not be the winner against all these giant, crazy monsters. But here's the thing. After this experience, Kong is the most intelligent out of all of them. He will learn from this. And you can see him thinking throughout this entire movie. Godzilla ain't thinking. Well, here's here's Godzilla's here's the best thing. The best thing about this movie is that it knows it has to give a definitive winner, and it knows realistically that winner has to be Godzilla. And Wingard wanted it to be that way because, as he said, as a fan of the original, yeah, Godzilla versus Kong, um, he hated that. That fans were always complained about it. That there was no definitive winner. They kind of walked off. In the and, but the good thing and... is, is that they give us a definitive winner in the Godzilla v Kong battle. Like we know Godzilla is the alpha, but it brings Kong back into the fight, and Kong gets the hero moment when he yeah. rips Mecha Godzilla's of fucking he head off, which is so fucking that is on par with like Godzilla shooting the atomic breath down the Muto's throat in 
in uh, Edward's film in 2014. Like, that's on par with that shit. That's how badass that is. Well, that's, I mean, the whole concept of these team-up movies is very clever and calculated because it gets the fans involved by having them take sides, you know, so that they debate and they theorize amongst themselves. There's there's only one side. One. Well, they hashtag Team Kong and hashtag Team Godzilla on social media. They should hashtag Team Godzilla and hashtag Fat Monkey. Listen, you mean Jack? You mean Jacked fucking monkey? He's jacked in this movie, motherfucker. So that builds hype, but you can't really have a, a Kong die, or you can't really have Godzilla die because you don't want to disappoint those rooting for a particular character, which could create bad blood in the fandom and all that. Yeah, so yes. we always knew that Godzilla and Kong would end up teaming up against a threat. Um, yes, but so it does. It so it does kind of complete Kong's character arc in a way because he is the underdog i mean even the original 1962 uh king kong versus godzilla kong was the underdog he was a drunk he literally (laughs) was like the (laughs) drunk that had to step up to defeat godzilla who's just like a taunting bully in that movie he was the ape version of the hoaxer (laughs) We, we we gotta get to this though the big bad because we know that neither of our titular characters are the big bad it's Mecha Godzilla, and this is no spoiler because I already Funko, spoiled it 15 minutes ago. But Funko literally spoiled it months ago with their figure when they released the design. It's very it, there's very clearly like three different shots in the trailer where it's obvious that there's going to be a Mecha Godzilla. But you had already mentioned the defeating Mecha Godzilla, which I will get into in a moment because that's also another Easter egg. Because. In the original Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla, Godzilla rips off Mechagodzilla's head. In this movie, we get to see Kong rip the head off, and it's one of the most satisfying endings to a monster What a great fucking shot. All the time when he roars. But I got to go out on a limb here. Guys, I got to say it. Dude, Wingard, you did the rest of the movie right. It looks good. Junkie XL's score is fucking awesome awesome man dude please why does mecha godzilla look like a giant transformers gecko <laughs> i mean i'm fine please, it looks terrible i'm fine with I the fucking design. Hate the design i'm partial i'm partial i'm partial to the classic mecha godzilla design dude, but i'm fine it with should it. literally it should literally look like godzilla with big spikes on his back why are his spikes dulled why are they big box like squares i i mean i literally like i mean for me like especially once the movie finally gets to the reveal of mecha godzilla with that god-awful cringeworthy scene of brian terry henry it's robot godzilla and then the kid from hunt for the wilder people's like no that's mecha godzilla it's like what what that's literally just a fucking drop for the audience it literally means of course it's a drop for the audience because they don't know but then they'll go after the movie and go I want the Mecha Godzilla. It's a meaningless Funko line Daddy. drop. Like, holy well, shit! It's it's like a Mecha Godzilla. Like, that's all you, you need. One line. You don't need like the second line in there. Is a th- it's a robot god. Technically, he, technically, he's a mech and not a robot because he's being controlled by. Um, Nevertheless, well, that's another thing that I wanted to mention. Doctor Sarazawa, the character Ken Watanabe's character from Godzilla and oh King of the god. Monsters. It's his, it's his son. son, which. Dr. Serizawa in the other no films sense. was such a noble character and he was such a um Wait, was that are you serious? Is that actually his kid? Yes. Yeah. Um and they I mean, they I, brush Ren they Serizawa brush it aside is... by like name dropping him, but 
he's working for the bad guys in this movie, which I feel like is such a lazy way to connect the character. I honestly got I've watched it twice and I didn't even know that. Yeah. I but literally it, didn't even know that. It it doesn't make any sense. How did he get to this point? Why is he working for the bad guys? Oh, and he just dies. So he's point he's it's just pointless. And he gets electrocuted. This is another situation where we've dealt with in the past where they just name drop to have a character in there for Easter egg's sake for fans to go, oh cool. But the, it's out of character. It's bullshit. They should have named it something. Well, else. I don't know if it is out of character because he doesn't have a character. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very true. Well, he I doesn't mean, have a character. But like, I mean, he pops in. He has like five lines. Justin's misgivings about the design aside, like I said, I'm fine with the design. But like, I what I really love, and and that's one thing I guess to talk about more with the with the kaiju fights in this film is that each of these characters has a definitive kind of fighting style, and I really love that. And I really love the way that like Mechagodzilla, like they use the technology to the advantage. Like he has those like rocket boosters that like propel him forward to give like that super fucking punch to godzilla and all those like the missiles and all those different kinds of things they stole that from pacific rim but that's great though i mean like (laughs) it's it's great though like and it works to like really 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 great effect because it's a it's a different element it's not just the same thing even though we've already seen kong v godzilla twice now in the movie it's a completely additional element to the whole thing where we're now seeing something that i mean and that's one of the things about mechagodzilla in this film when you're watching just mechagodzilla decepticon v godzilla like you believe that like that thing it is going to kill godzilla like you really believe the peril that godzilla well, he beats is the in shit out of him he dude. beats godzilla the ever-living no shit out of godzilla it. like godzilla it's great gets, like two hits it's on great him. two hits it's that's it's it. great like i absolutely love it so it gives a compelling reason to bring kong back into the fight and like that shot where kong leaps in and they both like grab both of his arms and they're both beating the shit out of him and there was dude, nothing more satisfying dude. when kong jumps up from behind and you knew he was coming up from and grabs him around the neck and headlocks him because obviously Kong's strengths are brute strength. He's like a boxer. He's the boxer out of the three of them. And he has the arm strength, the shoulder strength. He's basically the UFC fighter. Of the well, I love movie. that they, and because Kong has to be more physical because he doesn't have any kind of weird energy weapons or anything, they lean more heavily on Godzilla's breath weapon in terms of a weapon in the film versus Kong using the physical strength. And I mean, the most that Godzilla is doing is doing a lot of kind of ramming stuff where he's leaning forward and like charging at but him. Kong has that strategy. He's smart enough. You see him jumping away yeah. onto the buildings, hiding around and plotting. And there's nothing more satisfying than see him wield that fucking axe made from one of Godzilla's ancient ancestors. Which that was a little disappointing to me because I thought for sure when they revealed in the trailer, I thought for sure that if he was going to snap off one of Godzilla's scales and fashion an axe, how badass would that have been? That would have been well way better and it would have taken like two minutes instead of the 20 minute Hollow Earth subplot that we had to sit through. So, yeah. I mean, that would have been great, actually. I mean... There it, is it was also... cool it's definitely a cool image because then they can put the axe in the in the action figure and they say kong with battle axe action <laughs> and they can you sell that chop, chopping action you being a huge godzilla fan tell me that this easter egg wasn't the most amazing thing in the world we all know that one of the favorite elements of the original king kong versus godzilla is the tree oh sure dude Dude, when when Kong shoves the end of the axe down Godzilla's throat and he starts fucking gagging him like a giant <laughs> dick, and he's like, oh, and he can't breathe. 
He's like his arms go out like to the side, like. Ah. Well, that's the thing. Dude, this that, movie, this definitely a fucking homage. This movie that's was obviously made by someone who wanted to pay homage and had respect for the original Godzilla films and the original Kong films, and I really do appreciate that. Um, I think Winger was definitely the right man for the job in terms of the creatures in this movie there's no denying that and the creature action too and i mean it works on a level of in terms of the nostalgia in terms of connecting and paying homage to the past because you obviously have a lot of familiarity with that someone like me who has no familiarity with that whatsoever but it still works for me on just like a straight down knockdown drag out like monster v monster colossal this mega size action brawl it works on so many levels for fans across the spectrum and i think and that's why a lot of people are Nick, really really everybody. resonating with this and why the audience score is as high as it is like even as negative as i've been in this review i'm still going to give this a positive rating because the monster stuff is so fucking good it's impressive well, like i yeah. said well like i said pre pre this movie the king of synthwave, the king of giving me neon with the guest he knows his shit He's like, yo, how cool would it be to have these two fucking titans in the middle of a city, all fucking purple and green neon, where you can see every detail, and we're going to have a Junkie XL synth score. Man, Hulkenberg is knocking it out of the fucking park, and like the last month alone, the scores for Zack Snyder's Justice League and then for this movie... He's hey, I loved his I loved his Terminator consistently. Um, he, yeah, he's been on the roll for a uh, while. consistently amazing, amazing work. I mean, he doesn't get the recognition that he deserves. That's for goddamn sure. I think that's why he goes by Tom Holkenborg now and not Junkie XL. But we have to address the ending of this movie because we've pretty much hashed out all of this. I think it hurts me to not be able to mention a single human character in my review to really you know, get behind or show any positive notes on, but it is what it is. Like I'm watching this movie as Loisa said. I can't, I mean, I can't get over how great Kaylee Hoddle is as Gia. Amazing. I mean, she's by far the best performance in this film, like leaps and bounds. Like she face is so expressive. She acts everyone else off the screen. Well, and And the movie, she, is she really deaf? Is she really deaf? She is really deaf. Okay, I was going to ask And that, the yeah. movie itself hinges on this character and the performance because Gia's relationship with Kong really is the heart of the movie. She is our conduit into Kong. And because when when she's on screen and when she's interacting, she's so emotive, you really believe. And that's kind of the thing that you need in a CGI-heavy picture like this with big CGI characters. You need that kind of emotionality or something to translate that to the audience to make it real. And her performance and her screen time quote-unquote that she shares with kong that's what sells this picture that's what sells this film you really feel that they're on that screen together you see the emotionality and i love that wingard because he couldn't emote with godzilla he leaned heavily on emotion with kong and you really really feel a lot of kong wants to go home all those different elements i love that kind of stuff and yeah her performance is just leaps and bounds it's incredible like it's great and i mean it's kind of embarrassing that this little girl acts like loisa said she acts circles around everybody else in this film it's really sad everybody else is here for a paycheck but she is really really giving it her all she really really is and she if if you don't have her performance in this film as an emotional anchor 
I think you care about the monster stuff even less because as much as I'm team Godzilla in this thing, you care when Kong is losing. Like you care because she cares and you care about her. That's the whole through line of this movie. And I mean, it, like I said, it doesn't work without her. And and that's a testament to, to the amazing work that she turns in here. And I feel something for her and I, I, well, I feel a lot of anger toward the other characters, but that's not their <laughs> fault. That's the screenwriter's well, fault. Well, I, I feel a lot of anger towards Alexander Skarsgård because his motherfucking ass should have never been cast in this movie. <laughs> he doesn't need to be there. One of the other no-name characters uh, could have, you know, we need to get to wherever we're going to get this piece of something to make Mechagodzilla work and blah, 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 fill in the blank. He didn't need to be in the movie. He's not a likable character. We don't care about him. There's no backstory other than he's a fucking failed author. Um, well, and his and his brother that. attempted to find the Hollow Earth and was killed. Yeah. And so I mean, and why do we? Okay. I think I think I personally think complex. I think there's personally enough enough there to get you to at least understand him and understand his motivation. But he's never likable. He never I mean, does anything. But does Hollow Earth need where... to be like a twenty-five minute sequence on its own, where they fl- they can't they can't use the water because Godzilla will still attack them, even though Godzilla for some reason leaves them alone for no fucking reason. So they fly Kong to Antarctica, and then after they fly him there, they say, "Oh, we can't get him back home," even though they just flew him there, and that he had again. It's it's so needlessly convoluted, and we're dipping right back into. The, the the negatives on this thing. I guess the reason why they needed to go to Hollow Earth in the first place, because Apex Cybernetics needed Kong to find the source of the glowing rock that gave them the power to power Mechagodzilla. It, it's all very plotty, and it's all very, as as you say, Nick, it's, needlessly convoluted. It's so pointless. It just doesn't need to be here. But then when you watch a lot of the Toho Godzilla films, there's needlessly convoluted stuff in those movies too mm. I mean, so like i again, said i, I don't ha- i don't have a lot of that frame of reference and, and, and like i said I get, you go back to 2014 and i think cranston's character gives enough and then aaron taylor johnson you know I've, I've said it a lot of times on this show in the past you know is is basically emotionless you know he's just kind of playing this blank soldier who was raised by a crazy dad for his whole life or whatever but I think that film gives you enough of a through line to carry you through. Like this is just throwing so many needless plot threads. Do you need to go to hollow earth and have this whole subplot just to be able to get the power that powers Mecha Godzilla to lead to the final showdown? No, you don't need a 20 minute subplot. And like, and like I said, this movie more than any other in this monster verse is the fast forward, just blow through. Like you don't need to watch this cause it's pointless kind of thing, you know, unless I mean like, well, this being the yeah. shortest installment of the series, this being the one that focuses more on the monsters than the humans, arguably, I think, again, there's enough of the human stuff to move the plot forward and to get you to care just enough that I don't have as big a problem with the human stuff as you do. It's all very silly and stupid. <laughs> and I would but. even be fine like to be fair I would even be fine with the hollow earth stuff because you're still following Gia and she's still a character in those scenes and whatnot and she's kind of like your one emotional anchor to this 
the real subplot that kills this film is Brian Tyree Henry's crazy nutjob conspiracy podcaster and Millie Bobby Brown in this movie just because she's popular because she's in Stranger Things has a whole subplot in this movie. Like, remember there's a scene in this movie where they show up at, at, at Apex in Hong Kong where she like goes up to like this security panel and types yeah, she, just, she types in the code just for types in the no code. reason like, she there's knows no it. reason why she, she would know it at all. She just no types reason. it in. Okay, the locks are disabled. Yeah. How what? Like, well, and they need a they need a way to get from Florida to Hong Kong, so they have these like high speed, yeah, like maglev tunnels. Like there's yeah. a maglev tunnel or something like that under <laughs> the, the earth, which is which is of course ridiculous. I think this is meant to take place like five or six years after King of the Monsters, so I guess you could argue that technology might have advanced since just, then, but it's I just it's all just the silliest shit. <laughs> it's so the prop that this is the problem when when you have an outcome that you want and you, and you take the screenwriting what's your screenwriting when you're looking at this thing like uh doherty wrote this with a couple of other screenwriters your own your, congress is godzilla well, Doherty came up with the story but yeah congress is godzilla the script, but. is the plot so basically you have to write a plot around the idea of godzilla and kong fighting like you're not writing a screenplay to get to that point naturally you already have that point and you just have to write a whole bunch of other nonsense to plug in around that yeah, stuff you, you already know that they sat down in that room with the suits and said how cool would this fight be at an aircraft carrier? How cool would it be to have them in a Yeah, and that's great. So where the fuck is the executive or where the fuck is the writer or the filmmaker in that scene to be like, okay, we don't need all this bullshit. All this other bullshit can go because it's not important and it's just going to distract from the important thing. They're never, ever... Ever, they're never ever, going to and and ever going and every like literally every reviewer that i've read or heard or anybody that i've c- come out of this film they're like oh my god the human stuff is terrible but the monster fights are so fucking good but dude that's what we opened this whole review with is that this whole franchise the monster verse if you will is kind of that's kaiju movies in general way. go back to when we talked about pacific rim it's the same thing the human plot is needlessly complex the robot versus big kaiju stuff is great like, it doesn't need to be so complex. Just give us a threadbare human plot just to get us from point A to point B. It's, but it, as we know... Go ahead, Saucy. It's interesting, and I'm going to, I guess, segue this into my into my final thoughts on the movie. It's interesting how the trajectory of this series, the MonsterVerse, mirrors that of the original Toho Japanese Godzilla series. Because it starts out with this very somber, methodically paced drama that treats Godzilla as an unforgiving force of destruction, like the original 1954 Godzilla, the 2014 Godzilla by Gareth Edwards, and it quickly descends into the most ludicrous schlock. (laughs) So this movie, Godzilla versus Kong, is literally the King Kong versus Godzilla of the MonsterVerse. So again, I'm okay with glaring gaps in logic, uh, throwaway characters. I, I'm okay with it because it's empty calories, but the movie knows exactly what it is. It knows exactly what its audience wants and it's not pandering or excessive. Um, and it didn't give me a headache. Uh, it, it did leave me confused about certain things. Um, the fact that King of the Monsters ends with all the monsters bowing to Godzilla, accepting him as the alpha 
and at the beginning of the movie, the, in the main title sequence, it reveals that he's murdered all of his subjects. So, like, even Rodan, who bowed to him at the end of King of the Monsters, Godzilla just murdered him, apparently. <laughs> and then it just feels like a lazy way of hitting the reset button and explaining why none of the other Titans are in this film. When we know that the majority of audiences watching the movie aren't even paying attention to that credit scene anyway. I mean, I, as a Godzilla fan, I'm laser focused. I'm looking for all of those things. So you're one out of ten. One I, out of I ten, know, but friend. but even even story things like the Iwi people, like the the natives from Skull Island. Um, Gia is the lone survivor of all of those natives that we saw on Skull Island. Where'd they go? It was explained that there was a storm that killed all of them except yeah. for her. A Kong storm? saved her. A storm. So large developments within the universe are just explained away like off screen. Like, a line just... of dialogue, yeah. Right. We ain't got no time for that. There's no time for that because we need to see Kong and Godzilla hitting each other. And for, for what that's worth... The movie hits it out of the park. That's a 20 the, out of 10. Yeah, I mean, the, the monster action in this is absolutely insane. And for yeah. that reason, I think this is a satisfying culmination of what this is all built up to. It kind of feels disconnected from what was set up in the original Godzilla from 2014, which was, in comparison, very grounded and realistic. This is just, I'm going to say it again, silly shit. And I loved it. There it is. I so, loved there it. There it is. So, so you got to rate it. Seven out of ten. I'm going to give go. a seven out of ten rating, which I think is fair for this kind of movie. And I'm okay. grading it on a, on, a, on a curve of entertainment value, which I got a lot out of. I mean, that's then fair. Then I'm just going to jump off here and, and piggyback off you so I don't have to say anything more than what you just said. I've spoken my case, stated my case, if you will. Um, seven out of ten for me as well. It's good. I got what I wanted out of the fucking movie for once after I've complained the last, I mean, make no mistake. Kong skull Island had amazing, beautiful fight scenes. It's one of the greatest movies ever made. Just saying, but, but (laughs) to see these two Titans battle it out without any rain, fog, smoke, lightning, snow. We do see some cool snow effects with Kong, like brushing off snow and stuff. Um, The CG. Great. Uh, I did have a couple of instances where I was taken out of the movie because I literally looked at the screen and said, nothing in this shot is real. It's it's an animated movie for all intents and purposes. And a part of me, after you and I just got done uh, discussing in depth our B-side of the 1976 remake of King Kong, where everything's real and they're doing their best to try to make animatronic, you know, giant hands work and guy in ape suit, Rick Baker, the whole thing. And how much effort used to go into that. And now we just, everyone does it on a computer. And you know the majority of the people that helped make this movie made it from their home because COVID was a thing. Uh, well, this you know, was originally supposed to come out in November. I know, I know. But they you can finishing tell. Touches, finishing touches happened while people were at home. So um, 7 out of 10 for me, it was good. I was satisfied when I walked out and I said, it was the greatest monster battle I've ever seen put on the big screen. That's all I have to say. Yeah, and I mean, it's just, uh, there's not really a whole lot else to say. Fast forward the human parts. I swear to God, you will not miss a single thing. 
all you're here for is the destruction and the the carnage the monster versus monster action and winger delivers that in spades both fights with kong v godzilla are excellent and then i mean the throwdown at the end when mecha godzilla is thrown into the fray and it's both kaiju against mecha godzilla is just oh it's so it's spectacle beyond spectacle it is incredible to watch and i mean it saves this movie from what would otherwise be a dismal rating i'm giving it a six out of ten i will barely pass the movie because the human stuff is that bad it is that excruciating it is that distracting where it's it's like every human scene in this is the middle of uh king of the monsters when vera formiga gives that like 20 minute long exposition dump that's every human scene in this movie that's how bad it is like they just exponentially increase that but I mean, if you're here for the carnage, the monster v. monster action, ignore the rest, fast forward it, skip it, it doesn't matter. Go make yourself a snack, get yourself another drink, don't pay attention. Get some popcorn, baby! Come back when the monsters are on screen, and you will have a blast. There it is. And Mechagodzilla, man, I can't get over how amazingly well-realized Mechagodzilla was. I love watching him. He'd be menacing. Too bad he, he looks like a giant fucking He put up a great fucking fight fucking against both Kong and Godzilla. Like, that, like, he really actually felt like a threat. And that's impressive. That's impressive as fuck. Despite Justin's misgivings with the design, that's Listen, impressive. I, I love the music leading up to him. I love how he's portrayed. I just don't like the yeah. design. He just that's impressive for to him to be actually a threat. And especially when we've seen two movies of Godzilla throwing down nuclear Godzilla against King Ghidorah. Like... Mechagodzilla still feels like a threat, and that's impressive. So yeah, six out of ten for me. I agree. He's like the Terminator of giant monsters. Where, where, gentlemen? I guess is the real question. Where does the monster verse go next? Um. Well, I just read that fans are clamoring for more. There's a hashtag. Uh, what is it? Continue the monster verse. It's gonna that that's not gonna be anywhere. Near Are we gonna there. get a black suit Superman versus King Kong now? I don't even know all these hashtags and shit. I can't honestly. I can't follow this shit. It's, it, it made him money. It made the money. So it'd be interesting to see where it goes from here. Will it be another standalone King Kong movie? Another standalone Godzilla? It can't movie? be a standalone movie. It can't be fans like you can't do Kong v Godzilla v Mecha Godzilla and then follow it up with. Uh, Godzilla versus I don't know uh, global warming or so ma- so make something. it a tag team movie with Godzilla and Kong. The Marvel versus... Universe has been doing that and it's worked for them. So I think oh, I think I mean I would love to see Godzilla's uh, foes from the classic movies come back. Gigan, Hedera. Um, if you really wanted to follow in DC's footsteps, you could do the death of Godzilla and bring back Destoroya. I don't know. I mean, there's so many different avenues you could go down. My guess is they'll probably do a solo Kong film next because they had Kong Skull Island in 2017. And then we've had two films since then featuring Godzilla. So they may take a break with Godzilla and bring back Kong. I don't know. I just want to see more. <laughs> That's We'll get I'm more. Down There's more. no I mean, question. We'll get more. Let's, let, let's please, please, please. Well, I guess that comes down to what they work out with Toho because their contract with Toho expired in 2020. I can't imagine that Toho is unhappy with the portrayal of Godzilla in this film, though. I mean, aside from like that one shot of Godzilla where it looks like he's like smiling. He's grinning. He's taunting Kong. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, But aside from that, like, I, I don't I don't believe that Toho would in any way. I mean, Godzilla is and like they wanted Godzilla to be portrayed as a god because that's how they view him. 
And he wins. Let's make it clear. Let's make it clear. He wins. He does win the battle. He wins. Kong, Kong submits at the end of the movie. Kong is brought back to life. He fucks up Mecha Godzilla. He's the hero of the movie, but he as soon as Godzilla stands back up again, they look at each other. Kong drops the axe. That's that's Godzilla roars and walks back into the sea. Like Toho can't possibly be unhappy with the portrayal of Godzilla in this film. It's making them a shitload of money. Let me tell you, it's a far cry from the abomination that was the 1998. Uh, Excuse you, excuse you, sir. Oh, shut up. Excuse you, shut up, Mister. I will not hear anyone slander uh, Jean Renault like this. Please no. Jean Renault is the best character in the movie. I will. I will agree with that. You said this was French roast. (laughs) (laughs) God damn it! You know damn well you like that movie. Stop pretending. That's the next B-side. I'll hold you to it, motherfucker. Oh, God. You're the worm oh, guy, God. right? <laughs> Dr. Nito Potatopoulos. Dr. Nico Tetatopoulos. It's Tetopoulos. I'm Matthew Broderick. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that Matthew Broderick isn't doing anything during COVID right now. Maybe if we show him how many downloads we got last week, he'll come on the show to talk about that movie with us. Mr. Broderick, if you're listening, <laughs> please, I'll be here. I know Roland Emmerich. He's still making. I love movies, that movie. But... I don't care who I don't care who knows it. I love that movie. That Aside from shit. the baby, the baby Godzilla, that whole subplot is terrible. But the rest oh, of that God, movie is go. great. The rest of that movie is great. That whole baby Godzilla thing was just because Jurassic Park was so big at the time. And it came out. Well, Lost World came out the year. Yeah, before. Th- that's it. Oh, save that thought for that. But that is it, ladies and gentlemen, for our full review. And we want to thank each and every one of you listening for tuning in and listening to us do what we do. We're always going to be here for you. Every single week. Or every other week. Who knows? We'll take some weeks off. We're taking next week off. Sorry, y'all. You know what? We're human. <laughs> We're human, just like you are when you want to take time off. But here's the thing. Let's make this clear. Nick's making that face. He's had enough bourbon, so we'll just announce it on his part. Was that his say-so? He's back. He's fully back. My bottle's gone. It's it's empty. Basically, what this is is that Nick will come back when he wants to come back. I'll come whenever totally whenever you guys invite me to come back. I will There's more no than happily come back. It's it's whenever you wanna. That's it. I'm back. just gonna I'm just gonna keep the ZenCaster window open on my computer at all times. As soon as I see you guys log in, I'm gonna be like, "What are you guys reviewing? Some piece of shit '80s horror movie?" Click, boom, goodbye. It'll be the same as it's always been, basically, then, in those terms. That, that's, 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 yeah, that's, that's very fair. But we have plenty of things to look forward to. Um, we're all super excited about James Wan's produced Mortal Kombat. Oh, my God, I mean, dude. There's so much to look forward to in the next couple Talk months. about a trailer. You know what? I wish I had been here when that fucking trailer came out. That shit, like, I've watched the eight-hour, like, Mortal Kombat 9 through 11 Netherrealm cutscene movie on YouTube. Like, that fucking, like, that's Mortal Kombat. I can't wait for that movie. That's gonna be fucking baller as hell, dude. Oh. Let's just make this clear. Once an epic film guy, always an epic film guy. I'm the only one that has that shit tattooed on his skin. But it will continue on. I have a tattooed on my until... dick. Oh. <laughs> I want to see it, bitch. But for real, though, I mean, we can't say enough. And Lois House is sitting there. He's the gentleman. He's proper. He should be wearing a suit and tie. 
but we can't say enough how excited we are to have you still listening to the show. And I did want to actually read off this review real quick before the end of the show, because it really, it really warmed my heart. Made me feel really good. Awesome movie podcast, pure with the highest passion for the subject matter. This podcast actually was one of few that inspired me to make my own podcast. And we just released, wow. and we and we just received that review two days ago. And we continue to receive those uh, a lot more recently. And it's very humbling, keep, and we do appreciate it for all three of us. All three it's, of us. It's, I know it's we all feel amazing. It. That's I mean, I mean that's the, anything that we. I mean, even even go back to the video days, like anything that we've ever done to inspire anybody, I think is 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 like Loisa said, it's very, very humbling. And it's it's really anytime that we somewhere in the middle of all of the dick jokes and crass humor and somewhat in-depth film analysis when we feel like it. You know, I mean, well, it's. Well, so- you mean when saucy talks? When we talk about the last American Virgin for over two hours, that was was still one of my favorite fucking episodes. That episode was just amazing. Like we literally, we we and I missed it. God we damn it! We analyzed I was on the beach every bit of that movie. That was such a great review, such a great discussion that we had about that. And literally, like that was one of the things. Like as an editor, like back in the day, like I'm like I can't cut any of this. What can you possibly fucking cut from that? What could you cut from that review? Because it was so good. So fucking good. And there's many more of those to come. There will Can't be. wait. There is. Can't wait. It will continue. So there it is. If this is your first time, if it's your last time. Hopefully not the last time listening to the show. <laughs> hey, hey. They made it pretty far know. for this to be their last time. They're <laughs> like, I'm, I'm only going to give them one more episode, but I'm going to listen to the whole fucking thing. <laughs> well, you never know. We just want to say thank you so, so much for listening to the Epic Film Guys podcast. Sticking with us. Loisos, if they're new to the show, if they've followed us for like five years and they just never... <laughs> Took the time to go on social media. <laughs> you can listen to us wherever podcasts are listenable Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc. You can also find us on social media at Epic Film Guys, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Feel free to join our Facebook fan group, The Hobster's Dumpster, Facebook.com slash group slash Epic Film Guys to talk about us, to talk with us about all things movies. And Join the Hobster's Army, become a member of Patreon, and we will reward you with all sorts of goodies, exclusive bonus content, swag, and I much, much more. I love how you more. said, we will reward you. We will. You if you pay us, we reward will reward them. you. Yep. But not, you won't get good. socks loaded with crispy crustiness like Well, maybe we if you become wanted. an executive producer. <laughs> I'm just saying. Live stream for the cure. <laughs> Nick, this is your cue. Live stream for the cure. It's next week. Next month, next month, next month. I was gonna say next it's month. not next week. <laughs> tell tell next our listeners month. all about it. Next month. I mean, literally, this is the fifth year, and we have raised over thirty thousand dollars 
for the Cancer Research Institute for Cancer Immunotherapy. Good friend of the show. I know he is still an executive producer on Epic Film Guys. He's one of my VIP level patrons on Nikolai's Kitchen as well. Jared Taylor, his nephew Marshall, 11 years old, diagnosed with a brain tumor. I mean, it just this is why we fight. This is this is why we will continue to work hard to raise money for a future immune to cancer to to continue to raise money to, through live stream for the cure you know I, until we can all live in a future immune to cancer that's why it's so important to me that's why it's so important to these guys here i mean livestreamforthecure.com i just actually today made a new twitch channel for livestream for the cure so it will be at twitch.tv slash livestream for the cure find livestream for the cure on all social media channels at livestream for the cure i mean it's just stickers are coming i've got them coming in probably in a day or two and t-shirts are available so i assume loy sauce you'll have that in the show notes for the sure episode will. but sure shout out to dylan from upstate merch once again our amazing partner for shirts for the event my boy from my band when I was playing with him from back in the day when he was yeah. 14 years old. Just, I mean, amazing every single year. And he actually, like, really shocked me. Like, he, he was on vacation. And he actually got the shop for the shirts up, like, right away and, and got them for sale. They'll be for sale through the end of April. All proceeds go toward the goal of $15,000. And I haven't really posted about it on social media much yet, but... Uh, the kickoff event is actually going to be kicking off a couple of hours early because guest demand has been so overwhelming. We've got guests lined up even most of the way through Wednesday night now. So I'm actually pushing the kickoff event back to 4 p.m. instead of 6 p.m. So I'm adding a couple of extra hours just to spend more time on the air to raise money for cancer research. I mean, it's uh, it, it's so much work. And I mean, legitimately, I, I don't sleep. I don't eat. I don't breathe anymore. I, I, everything is live stream for the cure, but it's all worth it to, to live in a world without cancer anymore. I mean, and a huge shout out and a huge shout out to cut you off, but a huge shout out to our boy. P. Well, man, Brian Powell, who this last week legit just started his journey into dealing with cancer with chemo this last week. And uh, there will be a special edition t-shirt that will be specific to his fundraiser. That's just for him that we'll be promoting as well. Uh, and we'll be promoting P well on the live stream for the cure as well in the capacity. And he's super thankful for that. When he messaged me back about it, he's just so happy about it. Cause he's been a huge supporter of the EFG brand and, a great friend and he's a he's a, he's a great guy he's a really really yeah. great guy he spent his last week after you know he found out what would happen uh just seeing his girlfriend spending time with her children and having some good beers and just really wanting to live the rest of his life as good as he can knowing that he's gonna fight this fucking thing and know he's going to get through it so we're behind you p well fuck yeah we got so much to fight for on this year, especially with personal stuff happening to all of us. So please, please, please tune in so much to live for so much to support. It's hard for me to speak during this segment thinking, you know, a good friend um, this entire time we've, we've had best friends and family affected and podcast partners affected 
but it's the first time we had someone, you know, Nick, that would come to see us every single Christmas yeah. time. Coming right here where to this were, to this apartment that I'm in right now. Where you're you know, sitting bringing, right now, bringing a bunch of and beers. Just, and We would usually just sit there and drink some beers, and I would fool around. And Yeah, you, you, would, you would bring stuff from Virginia, and he would bring stuff from up in, up in Massachusetts and stuff, and... And we, we we would hang out and everything, and it's just like you said. I mean, we you know we had Perry and Lindsay on the show, and you know Perry tragically lost his battle with cancer. You know after he was on year two, and we talked to Lindsay year three about what that struggle was like, and it just drives home this point that cancer affects us all, and that's why we fight until we reach a future immune to cancer. That's why the Cancer Research Institute is a great organization. Most of the money, like eighty eight cents on the dollar goes to the charity goes to the cancer research i mean you can't ask for better than that i mean it's just so please come out live stream for the cure.com the event kicks off at 4 p.m eastern time on may 19th over at twitch.tv slash live stream for the cure that's all spelled out go to live stream for the cure.com for all the details and please buy a shirt please support yeah, the event shirts are available please right please now. please they're only available to the end of april as well and after that they are gone Unless you win a prize during live stream for the cure, because I'm going to buy like 10 of them or something to give away. But other than that, yeah, I mean, please, please, please support the event. This is our biggest year yet. But guys, we have raised $30,000 over the past four years with this event. Justin, can you imagine the first year and uh, the, the today, as of today recording, four years ago, I announced... The first ever live stream for the cure 12 hours it's insane to think man i, I mean you know uh, thinking back uh, it really we didn't even make ha- we we made half man. of our goal that year our goal was 2500 we made 1250 ish so dollars many people still came out so many people yeah. still came out to support the call just imagine that we 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 in that time since we have smashed our goal every single year last year our goal was ten thousand. we raised almost sixteen thousand fucking dollars that's how much, I mean, it just, it, 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 I'm really, really excited this year, too. We've got a lot of new people coming along, a lot of new podcast partners joining the fight, and, you know, it's all for a future immune to cancer, and that's, I mean, anything, no matter what, no matter who you are, no matter where you come from, I think that's something that we, as a human race, should get behind. So fuck cancer, and P-Well, Jared, we love you guys. We got you both, but... That is the end of this episode of the Epic Film Guys podcast. We just, again, want to take the time to thank each and every one of you for listening. Whether you're new to the show or you've been listening to it for years, we love you all equally. You mean so, 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 so much to us, Uh, especially those of you that I know that have tuned back in after Nick's been making his appearances back on the show. Uh, Make no mistake, Nick's not going anywhere he'll pop on whatever the fuck he feels like and uh that's always been the way that it is so until next time i'm justin and i am loisas and we will see you at the movies <laughs> <laughs>